In Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, there's a little section of that chapter that kind of, if you're anything like me at all when you're, when you're reading the Scripture or if you're, when you're thinking about these subjects, you know, Easter time, you're reading through this story, the narrative here, there's certain things probably at different times step out off the page to you. You know, maybe jump off the page at you. This is one that, I don't know, has caught my attention from time to time. Because we, we so often, at least I so often, think of how wonderful it must have been to be able to spend time with Jesus as a person. You know, those disciples for three plus years being able to walk with Christ the dusty roads up and down the hills, around the sea, on the sea, watch all those miracles take place. You know, there's just so many things that would be exciting to, be, to have been a part of. To be able to be one of the specific disciples that had that privilege or that opportunity. Verse number 13, it says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew nigh and went with them. But their eyes were, were holden that they should not know him. And so he begins to talk to them and ask them about, you know, why they're downhearted, why they're sad. And they explain to him everything that happened. They give him the rundown of the whole thing. You read it through there. You can see that they are, they are depressed. But Jesus is right there in the midst of their depression. And it's easy for me, probably for you as well, to look at it and say, how in the world could these guys not know that it was Jesus? How could they walk with him? And we presume that it's two of the disciples that have already been with him, but for some reason they didn't, their eyes were holding, they didn't know who he was. But Jesus was right there beside them. In the midst of their depression, in the midst of their darkness, in the midst of their despondency, they were really at the bottom. And here comes one that they thought was dead but was now alive to walk with them. That's the thought that stands out for me. To walk with them. We don't find very many occasions in Scripture where God walked with people. We do have a couple of them in the Old Testament. You can find them, well, you know, wow, they're both in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Noah 
walked with God. In the very next chapter, it tells us that. Verse, chapter 6 of, uh, and verse number 9. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Abraham had a, a personal encounter with angels, and perhaps we could even reach that point of conviction that one of them was the Son of God. That, that's incredible stuff. Of all the people listed in Scripture, God has given us a window into at least two people that have that is recorded about them that they walked with God. Could it be possible that somebody from this congregation, maybe more than one somebody, maybe there's two somebodies or, or three somebodies that will be remembered in history as ones who walked with God? Now, your mind is possibly going to that point of remembering people or thinking about somebody who you believe walks with God or walked with God. I happened to glance up this afternoon on my study wall, and there, or actually it's in, in, on a bookcase, and there's a picture of my grandfather, my mom's dad. He was killed in an accident as he was walking to church. I think I could say that Grandpa Neff walked with God. I think I could say that he had a relationship that was such that God came and walked with him. My dad's parents, the same. I believe that they knew God and God walked with them. At least in my thinking, and you know, in my in my mind, I'm thinking that they're close enough to God that God surely came and walked with them. I think there are some some very specific aspects, or could I say attributes of that person's life that God would be said to walk with. Enoch and and, and Noah, there were some, some key elements of their lives. There were some attributes that would give us an understanding of why God chose them to walk with. Why doesn't it say that God walked with Moses? We know that God was with Moses. We know that God never forsook Moses. We know that God was with Abraham. He never forsook Abraham. We know that He was with David. He never forsook David. He, he was with Samuel. He was... Over and over again, we can name off scriptural people, biblical people that God surely walked with, but the record only shows that he walked with a few. It's not to say that these elements or these characteristics or attributes were not in the other people, but I believe that you can find them at least in these two. The first thing that I notice about somebody who walks with God is that they are living a devout life. 
A devout life. What is a devout life? What does that mean to us? A devout life. I'm devout. You're devout. Simply, just boiling it down very simply, it would have to do with being sincere and earnest. Not just part of the time, not just a, a, a segment of time or, or even six out of seven days, but all of the time. You know, I enjoy what we heard this evening from the from the saxophone, you know that that's that's incredible. That's an incredible talent. But but he didn't get there overnight. He didn't get there by just picking it up one day and and begin to play. I don't think I, I haven't talked to him about it. I haven't asked. I'll just call him Chuck. I haven't asked him about this, but he probably didn't get that good just the first time he picked it up. But he probably plays that saxophone devoutly. Uh, I mean every day. Consistently. Over and over again. Playing over and over again. The same song over and over again. The same notes over and over again. You know, I've said it many times. I would give anything, anything to be able to play the piano or, or play an instrument like some of these people that play them. I would give anything except for the time it took to do it. But a devout life, somebody who is sincere, somebody that is without flaw in their relationship or in their pursuit, in their earnestness to follow and walk with God Himself. It's not just a one-way street where God's walking with me, it's where I walk with Him. How can two walk together if they are not agreed? Devout would have that same thing where it's the two-way street, two people communing together, two people going the same way, the sincerity of the heart, the earnestness of the heart. But also we find as a, as a segment that comes away from that is it's also a dedicated life, committed, consecrated. Dedicated would have the, uh, an idea that goes with it as being set apart for him consecrated for Him or for a purpose, His purpose, a cause, His cause. I remind myself over and over again, different times, of those simple words that David uh, expressed as he was about to go out after the giant. Is there not a cause? It wasn't the cause that his brothers were fussing about. It wasn't even the cause that, that King Saul was talking about. But David looked beyond all of that and he saw the cause. You see, it was higher than man, but he saw, he recognized. It was something to do with being set apart for the cause. Dedicated life, a devout life, but also a determined life. The old songwriters penned those words that we like to sing, I am resolved or I am determined, I've made up my mind. 
it's like cliches. We can get caught up in cliches and, and we use them very freely and very loosely sometimes. And we, we're, we're used to them and so they become a part of our lives speaking and yet we may struggle to allow those cliches to be a foundation or a pillar in our lives. We're talking here about a determined life, decided, resolved, it's settled. I have settled the question. Hallelujah. I am determined I've made up my mind. No turning back. I suppose it was my favorite testimony when I was a kid. You know, every revival meeting renewing that commitment, renewing that desire, camp meeting. I'm going through with God. I'm going all the way through. I'm determined this time. It became a cliche. It became easy to say. But it wasn't a pillar. It wasn't something that was foundational. It wasn't something that I was really determined in. Because my life wasn't dedicated. It wasn't devout. When we find this walk, devout life and dedicated and determined... What we find within that life and within that walk is a companion, a divine companion, someone that you can talk to, talk to when there's a whole bunch of people around or when there's nobody around, a divine companion. This may seem a little bit... Uh, a little bit kindergarten for you, but it's but he's also a present companion. It may be kindergarten for us, but in reality, it's something that many people would long for, a present companion. I'm talking about not absent, but here. Someone to talk with now. Closer than a brother. A faithful companion. Faithfulness would be one that you can trust in, rely on, believe in. Faithfulness. Have you ever put your faith or your trust in somebody and only, only to find out that they didn't keep that trust? Only to find out that they... They went around and used your heartache and your heartbreak as a prayer request to all of their other friends. You know, I'm only going to share this with you because I want you to pray for them. When in reality, you look at that as a breach of confidence. And rightly so. Or whatever the case may be. But he is a faithful companion. Someone that you can trust rely on, believe in. This companion is a companion that will stick closer, faithful. It's a devout life, it's a dedicated life, it's a determined life. To reach that point, there are some requirements. There are some demands. It, first of all, would be 
a demand to conform to God's will, a conformity to his will. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So vital in this walk. So important in this walk. In order to be conformed to God's will, we must have within us an entire surrender of self. It's the only way we can be conformed to his will. It's the only way that we can follow him and really walk with him is to have an entire surrender of ourselves. An entire surrender and a conformity to God's will produces or creates an unbroken fellowship. It implicates, I use that word lightly, because it's really more than just an implication, but it implicates a separation. I I don't want to say a complete separation because then that might take us in our thinking into being a recluse somewhere, a a hermit someplace. And, And you see, that would be very attractive to some of us, or at least to me. But that's not what he's talking about in the way of separation. He's talking about us being separated from the life of sin. It expresses a change in direction. It requires it requires suffering. As a matter of fact, that suffering can be viewed in the form of hatred, criticism of and from the world. It could actually even be viewed in the form of hatred and criticism of and from professing Christians. You know, especially those ones that don't want you to judge them, but then they'll judge you because of your steadfastness on something. Sometimes it could come from people that we would call or would like for us to be, would like to be called our brothers and sisters in Christ. This walk that God does with people is not a stationary walk. It's not a walking in place. You're not stuck on the same motion. You're not stuck in the same place. There's, you're going somewhere. These disciples were going somewhere. Enoch was going somewhere. Noah was going somewhere. God was walking with them and, and taking them, leading them, was, was walking with them as they were going somewhere. It was not a stationary walk. Could I close with this thought that it's a privilege to walk with God? This privilege is one that provides assurance of forgiveness of sins, an assurance to be with us in life's sorrows, joy in life's journey. 
promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he will take care of us. It's a walk with God. You look at the life, what little bit we know of Enoch, what little bit we know of Noah, and it tells us that they walked with God. What a commentary. I believe that they had a devout life. Believe that they were dedicated in their life. They were determined. They had a determined life. They walked in surrender to God's will. And privileged because of those benefits that he provides. Yes, Jesus took those two disciples and he taught them a, a lesson. And I believe that it's there for us that even in the midst of the Simple things of our lives. Jesus comes to walk with us. But you see, the heart was burning. Was not our heart burning? Or was it not burning within us? There was something there that attracted the Lord Jesus to these two disciples to walk with them. Are we walking with Him? Let's stand together this evening.